I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is the Frey podcast brought to you by thefrey.com, a place for women who want more from life. Today's podcast is a solo episode and full disclosure, I am recording this first thing in the morning and you can probably tell my voice hasn't woken up fully. These are the first words I've spoken today, but I'm just getting this episode in and recorded during the only time I really have available today. So it is early. I do apologize that my voice probably doesn't sound great, but here we are. Today's podcast is, as I mentioned, a solo episode, and I'm just sitting down and having a chat with you and sharing a few thoughts, feelings, all of that stuff on what it's like being single in your 30s and also being a single mum. So I'm going to touch on some of the tricky things about being a single mum, some of the positives that I've found, and then I'm going to answer some questions and speak a little bit about my limited dating experience. I will just say straight out of the gates, of course, I cannot speak to everyone's experience. I can only share with you what I've been through personally and what I feel, and that is based off, of course, my my dynamics. So I just want to say that because often when I talk about being a single mom or feeling like I've got the kids on my own and those sorts of things, someone will get in touch and say, well, I have my kids 100% of the time. And of course, hands down, having your children 100% of the time on your own is a different experience to someone who gets to co-parent and someone who is sharing that actual load of parenting in terms of logistics and children. You know what I mean? I can only imagine what it's like to not get to tap out at all. So... I can't speak to every single experience, unfortunately, but I can just share with you what's been going on for me. And before I do that, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Lip Heroes. So Lip Heroes have a range of incredible matte lipsticks and matching lip liners as well. It's hard to choose a favorite color, but I would say that leading into this warmer weather where everything's feeling a little more festive, a little brighter, I do really, really love the O for All and O for One lipstick. It's an orangey kind of tone, but I don't know, saying orangey doesn't doesn't do it any justice. You really need to jump over to the Lip Heroes website and have a look at it because to me, it's like the perfect tone for a festive lip color. When I want to wear something a little brighter, but I'm not quite feeling a bold red lip, that is the one I go for. 
Now, speaking of bold red lip, they, of course, have a really great red, which is the Valerie red. They have natural hero as well, which is that really nude look, which is beautiful. Peachy Pow is great as well. And if you're looking for a lip color that is super versatile from day to night and I think would go with pretty much any skin tone, definitely check out Berry Zap. I wear Berry Zap as my daily lipstick with a clear gloss over the top. Now, Lip Heroes have matching lip liners for every single lip color, and it's incredible because having a lip liner really allows you to define your lips, really highlight your cupid's bow there, give it some shape, and it also keeps your lipstick where you want it, which is on your lips. Now, the reason I love Lip Heroes is that, yes, it's a matte lip color, but it's creamy. It doesn't feel drying on your lips and your lips still look nice and nourished and plump while you're wearing the color. So you can use the code KYLIEGIFT, all in capitals, and this is valid until the 12th of November, KYLIEGIFT, and when you buy any lipstick, you will receive a free lip liner of your choice. So if you're going out on a limb here and you want to grab a brighter lip color, but you think, oh, you know what? I would probably use a natural lip liner more often. You have the choice to do that. And Lip Heroes is, of course, proudly Australian-owned and vegan and cruelty-free, and they have free shipping as well. So that code, Kylie Gift, to receive your free lip liner and have fun. Jump over to the website, check out the colors. The Fuchsia one is really nice as well. And try something different. I always think at Christmas time and over the summer holidays, it's really nice to have that bright lip. Like my personal favorite is a nice white outfit, a bit of fake tan and a bright lip. So there's that. All right, let's get stuck into today's episode. At the end of this sort of chat that I'll have with you, I will dip into Instagram and answer questions specifically relating to being single in your 30s and also single while you have kids. When I was thinking about this episode, the first thing that came to mind was, of course, the mental and physical load of being a solo parent. So when you're in a partnership, obviously, I think for most people, there is um, a divide, you know, you conquer and divide as the expression goes. One of you will take care of X amount of things and the other one will take care of the other amount of things. And then when you separate, all of a sudden there's this awareness of holy moly, I've got to take on all of these things. Now, of course, that's not the case for everyone. There will be some relationships where there's an extreme imbalance and you'll separate and go, oh, this is that much different because I was doing everything anyway. But I know for me personally, I definitely, like, I cannot lie, I definitely felt the increase of the mental load for sure and also the physical load. And so when I say mental load, what I'm referring to, I guess, is all of those tasks that take up valuable real estate in your brain that you know need to get done. And not only do they take up space in your brain, they also just, of course, take up time and energy and resources and sometimes know-how, like systems in place to make sure they get done. So I'm talking about things like making sure all of the bills are paid on time, insurance, all of that stuff, um, budgeting, 
you know, making sure that you're saving as well as keeping an eye on what you're spending. Life admin, like making appointments, staying on top of all of that stuff. And that I definitely have felt, definitely felt and still feel um, the weight of that side of things because that is not my natural zone of genius. I'm not great at making sure all of those cogs are turning perfectly and it's been a real um, learning curve for me, which I really want to get someone on the podcast to chat about, I guess, financial literacy when you're in a partnership because I think it's quite common for one person in the partnership, whether it's you know a male-female dynamic, female-female, male-male, there always tends to be someone who's a little bit better at managing what's coming in and what's going out and making sure things are getting paid on time and setting up systems for savings and blah, blah, blah. That's just, I'm, I'm guessing here. I could be wrong, but I think it's quite common that one person finds that easier to do and the other person is often happy to outsource it. I was totally the person happy to outsource it. Full faith, full trust in just knowing that that was taken care of And so in becoming single, having to really get comfortable with with staying on top of things that don't come naturally to me and also just not having that person who's invested to bounce ideas off, I think that's a big one when it comes to these sorts of financial um, pressures and responsibilities, not having someone else to say, hey, what do you think we should do about X, Y, Z? What's your opinion on this? How did you find that company? What are we looking at here? What's our goal? It can just feel very heavy when you're the one making all of those decisions. And of course, the flip side, and I'll talk about the positives, but the flip side is there is absolutely so much to gain in learning these skills and developing the mindset and also the freedom and the understanding of all of the intricacies and the ins and outs, which of course is intricacies, but there's a lot of positive, a lot of positive in having full responsibility, but there's also a lot of heaviness at times. And then the physical side of things, of course, includes actual physical labor, like picking up after kids, keeping a house tidy, keeping a yard sorted, the labor intensive um, experience of actually parenting, you know, playing, making lunches, bedtime, all of that stuff. So there's a physical side of things as well. And I can say for sure, I also felt an increase in the load there on my shoulders because I definitely had someone in my life who was very physically involved in all of those areas. And so, yeah, of course, it's going to feel like, oh, okay, there's a lot more for me to do now. You can't help but notice that. And I can remember a really, really clear moment of just becoming so aware that like all of the physical load was on me. And it it sounds silly, but I'll try and explain it. And I think I did share this on stories, but there was a moment maybe two or so years ago where I had finished making dinner for the boys and we were having sushi and there was a soy sauce lid. Just discarded it on the kitchen bench while I was making their dinner. And the next morning it was still there. And I remember looking at that lid just thinking, if I don't pick that lid up and put it in the bin, 
no one else is going to do it. Like no one will do it. The kids wouldn't notice it at that time. I think they would now. Now they're a little bit older and I'm so much more on them about contribution. But it was like all of this loneliness was like catalyzed in this stupid soy sauce lid of going like, yeah, like just put it in the bin, Kylie, because if you don't put it in the bin, not a single other person in this household is going to see it and do it. And I feel like that with laundry. It's like when I don't feel like doing the laundry, it's like you just don't have another choice. You just have to do it, which I know probably sounds like such a first world problem. But I think it's the fact that it's so um, it's a representation It's a representation of that physical load of not having anyone else that sees the things that need to be done, that need to get done and contributes towards them being done. So I would say in the last couple of years of being single, the things that I've had to adjust to the most, firstly, definitely the mental load of things um, for sure. And secondly, the physical side of things absolutely has increased. I will say I am often asked how I go being on my own, sleeping on my own, all of those sorts of things. Do I feel like I'm independent? And for me, I have not had any adjustment period to sleeping on my own or feeling independent because even during my relationship, I was on my own at least half the time, just due to the um, working arrangement. So sleeping on my own wasn't a foreign concept. I've never felt scared when I'm on my own at night. I was also raised by my dad in particular to be quite independent. Um, So that's never really been an issue for me in terms of feeling like, oh, I need someone in the house with me. And I do genuinely really like my own company and I'm comfortable on my own. So that's not been something I've personally struggled with adjusting to, but I know for many, many people, they certainly have found that part really hard. And I guess one of the other things that women will often share with me is that they find it tricky having to go back into the workforce. And so I'm grateful um, that's not been my particular struggle because I've always worked. I've worked from you know, when the boys were babies and yes, I've worked for myself. So it's a totally different beast to actually having to go and work for someone else. But I've always had my own income. I've always managed to be successfully employed in that arena. So that's not a personal stressor of mine, but I can acknowledge and I can imagine it absolutely could and would be for so many people. Now, like anything in life there are two ends of the stick so yes there is the like overwhelming pressure recalibration having to learn all of these things kind of sink or swim type feelings at times but there's also the positive end of all of this and as I mentioned there are even positives to I mean there are of course certainly positives to learning the mental load that perhaps your partner carries and being thrown in the deep end of just having to figure it out and also rally your own support team, learn things yourself, that can be really, really empowering. And again, it puts you in the driver's seat of your own life to understand what's going on, all of the incomings, all of the outgoings, and make your decisions based off your own values and priorities. That can be really, really liberating.
when it comes to the physical side of things, I am just so much more relaxed in letting things slide. And I always have been, but I would say that this house in particular, it just feels like we really, really choose our battles. You know, I'm very comfortable and I'm totally fine with piles of laundry sitting there because I just know like it, it will get done eventually, but I'm not going to prioritize that over having fun with the kids or over a workout or over a catch up with a girlfriend or truthfully over actual work for me right now. And when you are the only adult that is impacted by it and you genuinely don't really care, it's pretty stress free. <laughs> you can let it pile up and be like, okay, that's fine you're not impacting anyone else. I think a lot of that stress at times of wanting everything to have its place or everything to be perfect is because, I can't speak for everyone, but it it could be at times because you don't want your partner to think you're not doing it. You're not staying on top of it. You're not keeping on top of it. You're dropping balls, all of that stuff. And it's like the old saying, if a tree falls in the woods, is anyone, you know, does it make a sound? Is anyone around to hear it? It kind of feels a bit like that when you're the only adult in the house because kids genuinely don't really care. And speaking of being the only adult in the house, the thing that I would say I struggle the most with being on my own, even though I've just said to you, I'm quite independent and I'm happy on my own. I'm never afraid when I'm at home on my own. Genuinely enjoy waking up and looking down the barrel of a day on my own most of the time. One of the things I have struggled with on and off is a lack of feeling seen by another adult because despite having friends, despite having family that care, despite being part of a community, all of that stuff, there are things that only your intimate partner or the parent, you know, the parent of your children would notice and recognize and appreciate and value. Of course, a new partner could do those things as well. But for me, not having a teammate has been really, really lonely. Not having adult conversation at the end of the day. I think that's something you really look forward to often when you're in a partnership is like getting to the end of the day and the house is finally quiet for a minute you get to turn to your person and check in and talk and have a conversation. And I've only ever been in relationships where conversation's really important. And I miss that. I really, really miss that. And I miss feeling seen. And when I say seen, what I mean is understood, acknowledged, celebrated, and also just, you know, having someone join in when things are hard and I guess commiserate with you when you're having a hard day, those are the things that when you don't have them, I think you really, really miss them. And maybe I feel it more than someone who perhaps goes to work um, or perhaps someone who has another adult that lives with them. But, you know, for me, and I was saying this with my, saying this to my therapist, excuse me, After I do school drop-off, because I work for myself and with borders right now, Jordan, who's the operations manager, can't work with me, I feel like, not irrelevant, but kind of irrelevant or like, I don't don't know, unimportant, not needed. I don't know. It's hard to explain. I kind of just feel untethered at times because effectively, 
I'm not going into a workspace where someone is expecting me. And I do try and organize my work week so that I have commitments to kind of hold me accountable and allow for some human connection and things like that. But, you know, (laughs) it's not the first time I've said this. I've said this to my girlfriends. I could literally not speak a single word to another adult for a really long period of time and no one would probably notice except for me of course because you just feel so completely um, insignificant and that's the other thing you know when you are giving so much to your children that feels great you know you're giving at times you're giving so much there's a relationship there where you're contributing and they're contributing in certain ways but it's not a reciprocal relationship as it would be with an adult you know they're not seeing and acknowledging and understanding all of the things that you're doing and of course they can't you wouldn't want them to because they're children but it's just that lack of reciprocity which is really really apparent after a certain period of time of not having it and for me my dynamic in particular feels quite extreme because I when I have the boys you know it's all me 100% me And then when I don't have the boys, I don't hear from them that often. So they're with me, they're not with me, excuse me, 36% of the time. So most of the time I have them and it's full on and then they go and it's like radio silence. And that's really hard, that kind of whiplash feeling of the two extremes, that it's something to get used to for sure. And that's probably been a bit of a struggle for me because I am quite a rhythm person, quite a routine person. I like a little bit of continuity (laughs) about my days and I can't always have that. Um, And our arrangement is rolling. So it's five days with me, five nights with me. It ends up being five nights with me, six days, and then three nights without me. And it rolls forward continually. So it's hard to have a lot of structure. And I have struggled with that. I think I'm getting pretty good now at adapting to it. And just yesterday, a friend of mine was saying, oh, it must be nice sometimes when you get to tag out and not have the boys for that time period. And I said to her, of course, of course, it's really nice sometimes. I'm not going to lie to you and say that I'm miserable the whole time because, again, that would be a lie. It is really enjoyable at times to just take that parenting hat off and be like, oh, I, I need this time. I need this time. And I want to say I need this time to recharge, but often it ends up being like I need this time to just get on top of life and at work, really. But it's taken a little while for me to get to a point where I do actually enjoy my time without them. I really struggled for probably the first year and a half, particularly between 5 and 7 p.m. because that's the time that for their whole life I've always done baths, dinner, bed. And so when I didn't have them for bath, dinner, bed, that time of the day felt really, really hard for me to handle. And I've spoken about this in past episodes. So if you're in the same boat and you're finding that time frame really hard, you can go back and have a listen to previous episodes that I've done. And there are some tips and maybe some comforting words as well but it does, you do get more comfortable with it. And now I don't find that time nearly as challenging as I used to. 
Something else I think it's worth mentioning is that maintaining friendships and going to social things, although not many of us have been going to social things, thank you, COVID, but anything outside of parenting, you really have to at times be your own life life coach and mentor and force yourself to put effort in to keep up with these things because Sometimes it just feels like you're expending so much energy and effort physically, mentally on just keeping your head above water and doing all of the things and, you know, all of the balls in the air and all of the sayings. But it really does take effort, more effort to get to certain things. You know, if if there's a special occasion that you want to celebrate with your friends and it falls on a time that you have the kids if you don't have a good support network there's so much effort involved in making sure that you can get to that place um or there's a lot of surrendering going I'm sorry I can't get to that place so it just I guess depends on your dynamic but I know for me personally I don't have a great deal of support at all down here which is probably one of the reasons why moving back over the border has been on my mind but there's not a lot of ease for support and so anytime something falls on the time that I have the kids it then becomes an expense of having a babysitter having to organize all of that stuff and so there's just a lot of effort and scheduling when it comes to getting to certain places there are sometimes missed opportunities a lot of effort in maintaining friendships and also effort and energy in putting yourself out there and wanting to go on dates. And sometimes it all feels so exciting. You know, I'm not going to lie to you. There are times when it feels really heavy and weighty. And then there are other times when it feels like, oh my gosh, you've got this opportunity to have another love story. You've got this opportunity to change the path, change your own trajectory. And that can feel really exciting for sure. And then there are times when it feels scary. It's it's not one or the other. It's both. It's it's and. <laughs> it's yeah, it's definitely an and. Okay. I have some questions now that have come through via Instagram. I haven't looked at these properly yet. I've had a quick scan just to see how many there are, but I will go through and answer as many as I can and I'll just do them kind of off the cuff. So there is one, it's less of a question and more of a comment, but it says, I'm almost divorced with three kids at 32, interested to listen to this one and feel less alone. I really do hope you feel less alone in listening to this. That's my whole intention for these episodes. It's so that someone out there who might be going through the same thing can relate and go, oh, I'm not having such a foreign experience and perhaps find some comfort in it. I know myself when I listen to other podcasts of people who have walked a similar path, I do find it really, really helpful listening to their stories and their experiences. And not just for people who are living this experience, but for anyone who has a friend and who wants to build empathy and understanding and also just appreciation, I guess. So I hope that this does make you feel less alone and I was just shy of 32 as well when when I went through the marriage breakdown and stuff. So I really do relate and three kids is a lot. Maybe go back and have a listen to some past episodes and definitely make sure you've got a support network around you. Do you tell the children's dad about person dating and when? 
is the is the next question. Um, so I don't have a lot of experience in this. The boy's dad and I made a decision when we split that we would tell the other person if we were with someone for over six months and we had intentions for that person to meet the kids and we would give the other person just the heads up, the heads up that, hey, this is where I'm at. I think that this person might meet the kids. Do you have any questions? Here's, you know, and I can only speak for myself, but what I did when in my last relationship, I think after we were together for seven months, I let him know, hey, I think that the boys will end up meeting this person. There's no rush. Do you have any questions? This is how I'm intending for the boys to meet him, such as it's just going to be in a friend way. Um, you know, it's not going to be like sleepovers or anything like that. And just giving them that visibility. Also, I apologize for the construction sounds in the background. This is why I am recording early to try and get this episode wrapped up before all of the power tools fire off. So I think ultimately it's really up to you and your ex-partner and what feels good for you when it comes to communicating about romantic relationships. I also, for me personally, I don't feel the need to ask questions or dig about that side of things because I really do trust him he's only going to have someone in his life who will be kind to the kids and good to the kids and it's a big thing for me like a bit of just a personal rule that I don't dig you know I never pump the kids for information never ask them questions I I think it's different if you don't have trust in that person and you feel like you need you need more intel you need more information you need more context whereas in my situation I fully fully trust and know that only good people are going to be bought around the boys so I don't feel a need at all to dig okay next up single at 30 dot 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 everyone else is married with kids 30 is still so young so young and I can imagine that when you are feeling like everyone else is reaching certain milestones it can kind of feel like it's highlighting the milestones you're not reaching but I tend to find you either get married and have kids a little bit younger and you do less and see less of the world or experience less maybe don't come at me if this is offensive but Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Or, so you either do it younger or you do it a little bit later. So for me, I had marriage and kids in my 20s. And when I turn 40, I'm going to have nearly 14-year-olds. So I'm going to be 45 and my kids are going to be 19. And that's probably when, you know, if the world is ever restored, I'll be traveling and experiencing certain things. So I feel like it's like kind of one or the other and the grass is always greener and the timing is going to be right for you. You know, don't rush it would be my advice. 
try not to compare your life to someone else's life. You know, and, and an example comes to mind here. One of my friends who is single in her 30s, I remember her saying to me on her birthday last year, you know, it's my birthday and I'm going to the beach on my own with a book and I'm looking up and I'm seeing these families and I'm feeling like I'm missing something. You know, I don't have that. And I said to her, those people in the families are probably looking at you and being like, oh my gosh, look how lucky this woman is that on a Sunday she gets to come to the beach with her book and enjoy her day and, you know, just have some freedom and some space to herself. The grass is always greener. Now, in saying that, if you are longing, like you're longing for the next stage, there are things you can do. You can be proactive. Have a listen to my episode with Rebecca Campbell. She is the author of 138 Dates, and she really took her energy and her business acumen towards the dating scene. So that might be helpful as well for you, but 30 is still so, so young. And things happen quickly. Things change. You know, how many times in your life have you woken up and not expected your day to go the way that it goes? Things really can change. And maybe that's like the hopeful, optimistic, hopeless, romantic in me. But I always just think you never know who or what is around the corner. Okay, next question. Do you have a preference for someone with kids also or without? So when I first became single, I honestly thought I would only date someone that had kids because in my mind, I just thought, oh, only someone who has kids will understand that the boys take priority and they'll understand that kids can be really difficult sometimes and the emotional drain and the physical side of things and blah, blah, blah. And so that was in my mind. And then I met my ex-boyfriend and he didn't have kids and it was great. And he was incredible with the boys. So I feel like that was a real paradigm shift for me in opening my mind to someone that doesn't have kids. And there were a lot of positives to being with someone who doesn't have kids in terms of specifically for me because my roster is rolling, it's not set in stone. Someone that doesn't have kids was really flexible and it meant that we got that chance to just be boyfriend, girlfriend without having kids to care for during our time together and it meant that I could really keep the pace nice and slow versus if I had my two 100% of the time or I was with someone who had full custody or just with someone who has kids the way that it's going to work out unless they have a very flexible situation would be that we would probably have someone's kids most of the time. And I don't feel as though I need to stress this. I love kids. I love being a mum. It's one of the most important things to me. Um, So I'm definitely open to that. But I think when you're getting to know someone and you have children, the pace at which you get to know someone and the pace at which you move is much slower than it would be if you didn't have kids. And so keeping the pace slow whilst always having kids could mean that the pace actually fizzles out and it can't be kept up at all, if that makes sense. I've shared in a past episode, my therapist said to me, if you have the choice, don't date someone with kids because the odds of blending a family, it's apparently very statistically 
not an easy thing to do. That said, I think if you're blending a family, the most important thing is emotional intelligence. And I have that in spades. I think I am not great at, you know, a lot of the intellectual sides of things, but emotional intelligence and awareness is something that I feel strong in. And I definitely believe I have the capability to blend a family successfully and to also integrate into another child's life successfully or children's life successfully. I think I have that in me. So even though my therapist said that and we laughed about it, because I said to her, I don't think you're meant to be that direct. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't think you are. Um, but she was just saying, statistically, it's so much more challenging. And I think for me, ultimately, it's just the person. I don't have any hard rules. You know, if someone has kids and they're great, they're great. If someone doesn't have kids and they're great, they're great as well. I guess if someone doesn't have kids, it might bring up a conversation of do they want children and how do I feel about that? So, you know, that's a whole, whole other thing, really. Next up is a two part question. It says, where on earth will I meet a guy when I'm home with little ones every night? They're only little, so still years away from sleepovers and getting out there. Yeah, this is when I guess, back to what I was saying about you have to really put effort and energy and structure and systems in place if you want to get out there and date because it's not easy if you've got young kids and if you don't have a lot of support and flexibility and you're not co-parenting so hard so much harder but I guess it's about sort of going okay where are my opportunities here (laughs) you know does it mean that rather than going out for a dinner date I have to go for a coffee date while the kids are at daycare if they go to daycare or you know, is there someone in my neighborhood that, for example, is studying to work in the childcare industry and they're happy to babysit at a reduced rate, something that you can afford and you can manage because you do deserve resources. And I know that's a big one. A big one is setting aside the money as well as the time, but you do deserve that. I will also say, I know someone who went on their first date as a single mom and took her two kids on the first date because it was just like a casual, let's kind of bump into each other at the park type of situation, bring a coffee. And they are still together years and years later and have gone on to have another child and they're very, very happily married. And so I just wanted to share that because sometimes it just feels right to do what you have to do. You don't always have the opportunity or the option like someone else to go at a much slower pace. So those stories exist. Um, But also where on earth will you meet someone? Honestly, I think now the only places, I shouldn't say only, but the most common place to meet someone is of course through a dating app, which is so hit and miss. (laughs) It really is. It can be a wild time. A dating app, look up when you're out and about. But of course, when you've got the mum hat on, that's hard as well. The next question says, how do you find someone outside of Tinder and or navigating dating apps and dating around kids? It's impossible. How can you make it work? And then this is from the same person. And when is the right time to introduce your kids to someone? All right, I'll just tick through them one at a time. How to find someone outside of Tinder and or dating apps. Maybe have a listen to my episode with Melanie Herschel. Um... I think that you might find that helpful. I also did an interview a while back with a woman by the name of 
Giverny Blair West and we speak about meeting people there as well. I honestly think how to find someone outside of dating apps, you have to acknowledge that you're going to have to actually be out. So going places and go places that you enjoy and do things you enjoy, such as book yourself in for a course, go to a different coffee shop, look up, don't be afraid of eye contact. Eye contact is the biggest thing. If you see someone and you find them attractive, don't be afraid to actually look at them properly and maybe smile and see if you can start a conversation. Dating around kids, impossible. How can you make it work? Back to the other answer of you just have to put in a lot of effort if it's, if it's something that you want to do. And if it's not something that you want to do, that's great as well. That's totally great. I had a date that was cancelled recently and whilst I was disappointed that that date wasn't going ahead, I was also like, yeah, cool, Like that's, that's totally fine. I've got other things to do. So if it feels impossible right now, maybe it's just not the right season for you. When is the right time to introduce your kids to someone? That depends on you and your kids. I know two and a half years ago, three years ago, it wouldn't have been right to introduce the boys quickly to someone. Now they have a better understanding and comprehension. I probably would introduce someone a bit faster than I did last time, but not super quick. So it just depends. A question or a comment, I guess, that says, widow with a four and five-year-old at 37 and it's fucking hard every day. My heart goes out to you. Like, I, I cannot imagine the mental load on top of the physical load that you are carrying and I'm so sorry that it's so hard right now. I, I really, really am. You know, and your kids are so close together in age. It's a lot and I wish that I had some magical advice and I don't. I will suggest maybe having a listen to Ash and her podcast, Flawed and Fabulous. She speaks a lot about grief, trauma, and loss. I have interviewed her here on the podcast, and she shares so candidly and so openly her journey of losing her partner and becoming a widow, and she has repartnered with someone who also lost his partner as well. And she's a real open book, so you might find something valuable in interacting with Ash, even if it's just listening to her podcast, and that is Flawed and Fabulous. Next, do you feel guilty about not being with the kid's dad? In brackets, I do. I feel like my child would be happier. Yeah, I do, of course. I have, of course I have times when I feel, I don't know if guilt is the right word. I think it's more sadness sometimes. Sad that the kids are experiencing that loss of the family unit being connected. I do really, yeah, definitely feel sad about that. And I've definitely kind of gone through the stage of beating myself up that that's their experience. It's hard. You really need a lot of self-compassion. I think any time your children or child is experiencing adversity as a parent, it's uncomfortable because we're kind of wired to want to protect them from struggles and challenges and we want to make it better for them. But that's not real life and they actually need adversity and they need those struggles because those things will shape them and it can be really hard when you worry about it shaping them negatively but it is just part of life something I personally find comfort in is 
the fact that when I listen to interviews of people I admire, they'll often talk about their childhood. And when I hear someone I admire talk about their struggles in childhood or the way they viewed their single mum or their single father or the way they viewed the relationship between them, how it impacted them, when I listen to someone reflect on that and I can see that it has added a certain level of um, emotional intelligence to their journey, I find comfort in that. Okay, thoughts on talking to multiple people if using dating apps. And then the same person has said, dating apps, talking to a few people, but I can't seem to get a date across the line though. I think when you're going into the dating app world, go in knowing that I reckon like 95, 99% of your interactions will often not result in a date. That's just been my experience. You will talk to people. You might think, oh yeah, we're going to go for a drink because they mentioned that we're going to go for a drink and then never hear from them again. And that's just part of the disposable nature, unfortunately, of dating apps. That's how they feel. They feel disposable at times. And it's not a nice feeling, but sometimes you will connect with someone and there will be a bit of rhythm. There'll be some back and forth that feels easy. And when it comes to getting a date across the line, as she has said, I think if you're having that rhythm with someone and it feels good and you're noticing that you're smiling while you're having a conversation with them, you're on a dating app. So suggest like, don't wait for them to ask you out. They're on a dating app. It's not like you're cold calling and ringing someone randomly. They've already indicated that they are interested in dating just by signing up and engaging in a conversation with you. So I would say, Hey, I'm not great on dating apps. Do you want to go for a drink? You know, or if you've spoken about something, so say, You've spoken about the fact that you both really like Mexican food. Hey, I know a great Mexican place. Do you want to grab a margarita? You know, don't be afraid to be bold-ish and, you know, suggest something. When it comes to talking to multiple people on dating apps, yeah, of course. Of course you're going to talk to multiple people. Go in with your eyes wide open. Don't go in thinking the first person that you match with is the only person you'll match with and the only person you'll talk with. Um, most people are having multiple conversations with different people and that's where this disposable feeling comes and that's where I think dating app, um, sorry, dating app fatigue becomes a real thing. You just get tired of having the same conversation over and over um so yeah that would be my advice for those those questions any tips for the juggle of going on dates as a single parent juggling ex's roster plus 50 50 care you can only go when you can go you know and that's how life is for me I cannot go on a date when I have the kids because it's not important enough for me to put the effort in of organizing babysitters and stuff I'm smiling because I've just said to you you gotta put effort in but your effort has to match the importance level. If it was super important to me and I wanted to be dating prolifically, if I wanted to do a Rebecca Campbell and date every single week, then I probably would have to reach out and get a babysitter. But um, yeah, I'm only available when I'm available. Do you worry that you'll never find anyone? Because I do. Not really. 
it doesn't really cross my mind. I think because I'm not unhappy on my own. Um, I'm quite content on my own in saying that. Of course, I do want to find love, but I don't know. I just think that I will. I just have that silly, hopeless, romantic streak in me. Maybe it's silly, maybe it's not. But yeah, I think that I'll meet someone again and I'm sure that you will as well if it's important to you. And rather than focusing on the lack or the worry, focus on what is around you and where the opportunities are. Then there is another one that says, is being single in your 30s that much different from in your 40s? From experience, I would say no. I have no idea. I haven't been single in my 40s. I can only speak to being single now in my, (laughs) I was going to say early 30s, let's be honest. I'm mid-30s. So no, I mean, I don't think there would be a great deal of difference except maybe some of the conversations surrounding having kids because if I'm going on a date with someone who's a guy who's 32, 33, 34, you know, even up to 40 really from my experience, Some of those men haven't had kids yet or they've had one child and they want to have another one. Whereas I imagine in my 40s, if I'm dating men, because I've never been one to date younger, if I'm in my 40s and I'm dating men slightly older, I think it may be less likely that they're interested in having another child or less curiosity surrounding whether or not I would want to have another child because as we know, it does become physiologically more challenging to fall pregnant in our 40s, not to say it's impossible, not to say it can't be done. Just yesterday, I spent time with a woman who's in her 40s and she's pregnant and she's incredible and she's amazing. Um, So it can certainly happen, but I think that might be slightly different. And maybe for me, when I'm in my 40s, if I'm still dating, my kids will be older, so I might have more flexibility. So of course, there will be certain nuances that, that do bring about different differences. The other thing that I will just mention before I finish up here is as someone who has kids, I'm often asked if I think that that turns people off going on a date with me, being a single mum, and I'm sure it does. Like I'm sure that there are certain people that would be like, no, 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 someone with kids is a hard no for me, and that's fine. That's their prerogative. That's totally their right and also probably very indicative of their belief system around being involved with a single mum. And I have to put my hand up and admit that I've had to do some work on my own belief systems about being a single mum. You know, one of the things that I have felt is, not to get too deep, but you know, I've questioned why I don't put on dating apps that I am a mum And I think that that's a complex question. But one of the reasons is because maybe I have a stupid, stupid belief deep down that being a single mum connects to having some sort of struggle. And I don't personally, struggle's not the right term because, you know, at times it is, but I guess maybe more neediness. You know, there's something in the back of my mind that like, oh, maybe a single mum needs something from someone and I don't feel that way personally. And it's all it's all just belief stuff. And I can remember even with my ex-boyfriend, you know, he said when he mentioned to his friends he was dating a single mum, they were all like, Ugh. and then he was saying, you know, no, it's not that. Like it's not what you first think. So it's all just limiting beliefs. And if someone is not open 
to being someone with who, with someone who has kids and you have kids, then they are just not your person. And I definitely wouldn't lose sleep over the fact that some men will hit the eject button and take themselves out of the picture just because you are a mum because they're just not your person and you wouldn't want to change it anyway. I had an experience where I was speaking with someone just very briefly on a dating app and then when he asked if he could follow me on Instagram and I'd said like normally I don't really like to do that because for me there's such an imbalance if someone jumps over and follows me on Instagram there's so much of me that they can then go and look at and develop this idea of who I am without actually getting to know me again that's another conversation but yeah he did and then he sent me a message straight away and said oh my gosh I felt sick to my stomach when I saw your kids like I cannot do I cannot be with someone who has kids I think he said I felt sick to my stomach when I saw that you have kids I can't have young kids in my life or something like that. And I'm like, cool, this is our unmatched moment. Like, you know, and sometimes the trash takes itself out and that doesn't mean that that person was trash. It just means that they're not valuable in your life because they don't want to be. I hope that doesn't sound too cutthroat, but you know, you know what I'm saying? It's like if someone ghosts you, just remind yourself, sometimes the trash takes itself out. Now, the flip side to that, I've had the experience where dating, where I've dated people, I've gone on dates, or I've spoken with men, great men, who don't find the kids thing a problem at all. And for some people, it's really attractive. I went on a date a couple of months ago with someone and he said to me, one of the things that first drew me to you, because he, we were aware of each other via Instagram, and he said one of the first things that drew me to you was how much you love being a mum and how nurturing you are. Like some men love that stuff. And also I've had the conversation with another man recently where he's been dating and he said he finds it more enjoyable to go on dates or to get to know someone that already has kids because there isn't a timeline pressure for him. You know, he has found that if he's going on dates with women that are in their 30s that don't have kids, he feels as though it's like, okay, yep, I want kids, I want marriage, like let's move this along and that pace doesn't feel right for him. So there are definitely men out there that are not turned off at all by the fact that you've experienced motherhood without them and you know, just as I'm speaking, something I'm realizing is if a man is willing to get tangled up, it's my favorite expression, if, if a man's willing to get tangled up with you when you have children, I think often they have a high level of emotional intelligence and awareness because they're understanding that they're coming into a situation where the ex-partner is still going to be around, there is a certain level of responsibility And if they've got the emotional intelligence and bandwidth to walk into that situation with an open heart and open eyes, they're probably going to have emotional intelligence in so many other areas in life as well. So it's definitely not all doom and gloom. And I'm sorry if that has been your experience, but it's certainly not been mine that men are put off or that men, all men um, won't be interested in you just because you have kids.
And I think if that is your story, have a look at your own limiting beliefs and also surround yourself with some stories of positivity, stories of people who found love even though they had kids, whether that's reading books, listening to podcasts, even if it's just watching super cheesy rom-coms, anything that kind of breaks through that narrative and provides some comfort and provides some insight and perhaps some inspiration to remind you that of course it's possible that someone will love you and will love your kids. So I hope that's helpful. It would mean the world to me if you enjoyed this episode to share it on your stories, take a screenshot, pop it up on your stories, tag me at Kylie Kemp's or at the fray, F-R-A-E with an underscore, and then I can share it as well. Don't forget, you can also use that Lip Heroes code Kylie Gift by going to lipheroes.com pop Kylie gift in at the checkout when purchasing a lip color and receive a free lip liner of your choosing and I hope that this episode yeah has been helpful for someone out there but I've said that a million times all right guys I hope you have a great day I'll chat with you soon this is what I want this is what I need if you don't have to go I can set you free are you gonna make a move are you gonna come and see whatever you Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.